All right, the scripture for today is Philippians 3, verse 1 through 14. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the conscience. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath uh, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuted the church, touching the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained either, were already perfect, but I follow after, if I, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to be apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and for reaching forth into those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the most important thing in your life? What is, what is, what is so important to you? That's next week. <laughs> I know. I like that you respond. What is, think about it. Is it uh, your job? Is it your family? Is it what people think about you? Can you guys hear me? I don't, I don't know that you can hear me. Okay. Um, is it your pride? Do you, do you really like people to respect you? What would people, what is it that, that is so valuable to you that if something happened, you would want that to be seen in your life? What is it? In the Old Testament, God commanded Abraham to be circumcised. Remember that? And then he lined up all the males, and they were circumcised, and their sons. It was the mark that you were a child of the living God. 
today in your relationship with Jesus Christ? What, it is, what is it about you that is a mark to give glory to God? Baptism? Learning scripture? Your particular theology? The fact that your children don't run away from God, but pursue God. What is it? In this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul's talking about no confidence in the flesh. He says, brothers and sisters, we need to rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I'm glad I can write this to you over and over again because it's a safeguard for your heart. Because people in our society, in our day and age, there is so much information given out that you to- you're told is important. And he says, I don't mind sa- sharing this with you, which tells me we need to read the Word of God and be familiar with the Word of God and constantly let it be a part of who we are as a human being because it's a safeguard to our heart. What's valuable to you? He talks about evildoers and dogs. He's talking about people... Who now, remember, God said be circumcised. And you, I don't have to explain that, right? You all know what that is. If you don't, ask mom and dad. Be circumcised. Jesus comes along and Jesus no longer requires external evidence of belonging to God. He requires an internal evidence of belonging to God. He says those people who require you to be circumcised are dogs and evildoers. That which God once commanded is now an evil act. Now, people picked up on that in, in medical term, and they say people don't need to be circumcised anymore. And, and now it's, it's not circumcision unto the Lord. It's, there are other reasons. But they say, no, no, you shouldn't. But back then, these Jewish people were saying to these Christians who were, were Philippians, and they said, you're not really a believer of God until you're circumcised. That's what he was saying. And Paul's arguing with them. So there's a problem in the, the church of Philippi. And the problem is, is there, there's this debate and it's doing what? It is splitting the church. I ain't getting super circumcised. No one said I had to get circumcised. Jesus didn't say repent and be circumcised. They, they're arguing about it. Other people are saying, no, you need to be circumcised to honor God. You've got to do it. They had wonderful arguments. Remember, this is over a debate of what God says. 
cause a split. Paul says, look, if anybody in the world has a reason to tell you that getting circumcised is the right thing, he said, I should. And then he names. He says, he says uh, I have many reasons why. And he names it down here. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. His mother and father made sure it was done on the right day. And he took him to the temple or to the synagogue. And it was done on that eighth day after he was born. He says, I'm also an Israelite. I'm also of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. You all don't understand what that statement right there means. But it's powerful. Because there were the, the Semitics, a lot of people think are Hebrews, and they're not. But Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm born of the blood of the Hebrew nation. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. In other words, he's saying, I'm a lawyer. I've studied the spiritual law of God. I have my degree and I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, he said, I'm persecuting the church. He said, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, he says, I'm faultless. You know these arguments still go on today? I've heard people say, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist. You ever heard that? I have. I've heard people say, I'm old order Pentecostal. I speak in tongues and prophesy. I've heard people say, I have so much faith, I handle snakes. Never met many of those. Or the snakes. Toothless one. Good toothless one. I'm a United Brother. I got my credentials with the United Brother Church. I'm charismatic. I'm Episcopalian or whatever it is. All of those things have to do with the flesh. And not righteousness. All of them do have to do with the flesh. Now Paul said in verse 7 a powerful statement. Well, whatever gain to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I've told uh, Caleb this. He's the first one I ever told this to. <laughs> I said, uh, I, I have one requirement, one very important requirement for you to marry my daughter. And that is I want to see my children in heaven. And I want to see my grandchildren in heaven. 
He probably doesn't remember that. I know. <laughs> he doesn't know, but I was nervous too. Jeannie and I, we want our children to know Jesus. We want us, them to know the Lord. We want them to live in the life of Jesus Christ, not the darkness of the world. And Paul had lived in the darkness. And, and the way he lived in the darkness was of such order and purpose that he thought that if he adhered to that lifestyle that he had lived, lived in the flesh according to the religious acts and teachings that he had been introduced to as a child. That's just the most wonderful thing he could do. And then one day he met a man named Jesus Christ. And he became alive. When I was 17 years old, uh, I had had a pretty good life up to then. I had been good at whatever I had done athletically. And I passed school, so I was happy with both of those. But I was really pleased. And one day in a church service, the th only the third one I'd ever been in, Jesus Christ became real to me. He was introduced to me. And I gave my life to Christ. And all that I had done and all that I had been successful at and all that I had been interviewed and they wrote newspaper articles about me and all about this college and that college and where am I going to go, what am I going to play and who am I going to play for, all of that became dim in light of Jesus Christ and the life he introduced it to me. Everything. everything. Then I understood what my wife said to me that she said to me the first date we ever won. And then I understood it. Jesus Christ. She said, I'm a Christian. I never backed down from that. I don't know why I never did. Kroger Company I was working for that's what Jeannie and I lived off of until she became a phone, phone operator. Um, they came to all the employees and they say, everybody's required to work every, every Sunday we schedule you. No exceptions. Heard people say, oh, good, it's extra money. That's time and a half. And I was, I struggled with it. Because I don't know about you, but I like to have money to buy food with, right? It's good. And I didn't know, because I could have lost my job. No exceptions. And I prayed. And I, I believe the Lord called me to go to the manager and say, I'm sorry, sir, but in the United States of America, I have the right to go to church on Sunday. 
I didn't say I had the right not to work on Sunday. I had, God had chosen the words. And I said, I, I have the right not to work on Sunday. I want to go to church. My manager looked down over his glasses at me. He was a little bit taller than me. Intimidating. He was just an intimidating man. And he says, you know you could lose your job. And I looked at him and I said, yes, sir, I know I can. But I can't work on Sunday. Never said anything to me. I never lost my job until I quit and went away to school. Why was my job not as important as obedience to Jesus Christ? Because he died for me. Do you understand? Jesus died for me. I would be on my way to hell for eternity burning in a lake of fire if Jesus Christ had not come and died for me. I like that one amen. Anybody, anybody else out there? Amen? He died for me. And he protects those he died for. Wow. Wow. What do, you, what do you shrink back in this world from because, because you're afraid? Something is more valuable than your faith. What is it? Everybody's challenged. I mean, there's, by the way, God doesn't ask for perfect people. He asks for people that are righteousness. You need to write that down because in... How we live in this world is for the righteousness of Christ, not our perfection. So we can all struggle with something that makes us afraid, but then God will give us direction if we truly seek him because he is our Savior and he gave us eternal life. You know that. When I worked for FEMA, the federal government had a similar thing, only it was about, they called it proselyting or sharing the gospel with people. And they said, you couldn't go and force your opinion. You couldn't display a Bible in your work area. <clears throat> and I said, what do you want me to do about that, Lord? He says, the Bible is in your heart. So he asked me to go talk to my manager, my supervisor, and, and I said, you guys are saying that I can't go out and, and look at people and buttonhole them and ask them to give their life to Christ and harass them. And they said, yes. I said, what if somebody comes to me as a Christian and says that they have a need and that can I pray for them or help them? They said, there's nothing we can do about that. So guess what my prayer was? Lord, please bring people to me that I can share Jesus with, that want to know about him. And he did, and I led people to the Lord at FEMA, on the clock. Nobody ever said anything to me. Jesus protects those he died for. He loves you. He loves you. 
That's what Paul's talking about here. I'm not saying you won't struggle with this stuff. I struggled with it. It took time to prayer and wisdom from God to understand how God wants us to live and work in the society in which we live among people who love him and people who do not know him. Why do I say it that way? Because if you know him, you will love him. Amen? You guys are tired today. Amen? Verse 8, what is more, I consider only a few things lost. Does it say only a few things? Let me see. My eyes aren't what they used to be. Oh, it says everything. What would you consider lost? My, my house. Am I really willing to give up my house for Christ? I'm sorry, Jeannie and I have already decided that, haven't we? You can have it if you want it, Lord. You'll take care of us, even though we don't know how. How about your nice hundred and some thousand dollar job? If Jesus wanted it, would you give it up? How about your athletic ability? How about your best friend or girlfriend or boyfriend? Would you give them up for Christ? How about that race them up car, motorcycle, the golf clubs you bought that you love, your mixer? I'm not done, ladies. Your sewing machine. Your expense account. So you can't buy what you want. He said, I, I look him like garbage. What do you do with the garbage? You, garbage are, is those things that you don't need. That you throw away and take and they bury it. So it will deteriorate and go back into the earth. That's what Paul's talking about here. I want to tell you something. The church does not live this way. You guys blessed me this morning. Coming up here and give money so that these kids could have these packages. You're a blessing. That's a little bit of a cost. But we don't live this way. We have set up our own standards. And we've decided what's important and what's not. When you've met an, a, a person who is sacrificial, like Paul's talking about here, you will know them. It'll be no There'll be no pretense. They won't act like they're that way. They'll just live that way. And they give out of love. Because they love Jesus. Verse 9. And be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Paul understood that. My athletic ability validated who I was as a human being. I'm telling you. It validated. I mean, it doesn't matter what it was. I, I quarterbacked a, a team my junior year to the state playoffs in football in the state of West Virginia. I, I scored over 50-some points. I won't tell you how many it was over. But I, I, it, my name was in the newspaper, and they advertised what I was doing and all this stuff, and, and it validated me. That was my righteousness. Mike Dean can do this. But my righteousness was nothing. It's as filthy rags. How many people went to heaven because I was a quarterback of a state football team? How many? Not to my doing, especially the way we played that game. <laughs> that didn't give anybody righteousness. But I found in Jesus his righteousness. His holiness, his purity, his unex just, just unexplainable, everlasting love and forgiveness, which I could never, ever match. And they gave me a desire, verse 10. As a result of who Jesus Christ was, I want to know Christ, yes. To know the power of his resurrection. You know, I thought I understood it when I was ordained. They questioned you. You gave the definition, and I thought it was a good one. But let me tell you something. The resurrection I understood back then is nothing compared to the resurrection I know now. Because there are parts of me that Jesus has entered into me and he has brought life to part of me that had been dead ever since I was born, since that time. Made me alive, changed the way I think, the way I acted, the way I had relationships, and still is. As you have witnessed, it still is. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know his suffering. I want to participate in his suffering. Don't glamorize his suffering. It was horrible. Humbling myself to that. Humbling myself to that. With his him being in control of it. Not me in control, but him. Humbling myself in the participation of his suffering. So how? So somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Have you ever seen? I'm not talking about just somebody being saved. Have you ever seen somebody who who encounters Jesus Christ in a part of their life that they don't understand why it's the way it is and it won't change and they can't overcome it. 
Do you ever see them resurrected? I have. I want to tell you something. You can't explain what it does to you. I mean, I, I have experienced it personally, but I've seen it in numerous, numerous people where, where the, the power of God's resurrection fills them in an area of their life and it overcomes sin, death, and darkness and it brings glory to the name of Christ. When that person emerges from death into life. Do you hear that? I don't know that I said it well enough. Forgive me. And then Paul said, hey, I've, I've come a long way, but I'm not sure I've reached it all yet. And that's the way I feel and that's the way those who love Christ feel. That I haven't reached the goal, but we press, keep pressing on to take hold of what crisis are. There's parts of my life that I had no idea could be transformed and that I could become like Christ in those areas of my life. I had no idea how to deal with certain things. We don't have time to talk about them, but there's a lot of them. But the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he took a hold of what I could not take a hold of. And he stands there with it in his hand as I pursue him and get closer to him. And then he gives it to me when I get there and it transforms you and I as his followers into the image of Christ. Wow. I guarantee you the people of the Philippian church when they read this epistle, and that's not the only thing, the whole epistle is good. There were people's lives changed forever. And see, I'm the kind of pastor that I believe that this could happen to a different person who was saved every Sunday or every day of the week as you pursue Christ as Paul did. It could happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you got a disability. It doesn't matter if you're sick, uh, emotionally uh, frustrated or, or, or ill or whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you've been abused. You can take hold of what Christ has already got. Doesn't matter. I was not raised in a Christian home. We worshiped. I worshipped at the feet of the Steelers. You know who they are, the football team, right? Last year they were. I don't know about this year. <laughs> Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, we have a completely different concept of what the prize is in our society. 
Back then when they taught this, it was having food, shelter, clothing, healthy families, place to live, the pl for it to rain, and be just the right amount of rain to bring forth the crops so they could have food, grapes, wool, meat. Today it's a brand new pair of Nikes. Nothing wrong with new Nikes. Just as long as when you put them on, Jesus is in you and he is in your shoes and not you. Same way with dresses, ladies. Or whatever women want versus what men want. Oh, by the way, we at this church believe men are men and women are women. Okay? Only part of you agree. That's... Well, I could go into that and talk and apply this to that. That's absolutely phenomenal. You know, I've ministered to people who are homosexuals. And somebody told them through events in education that they are homosexuals. And when you introduce them to Jesus Christ and Jesus comes to them where they're at in that place, it's like they wake up and they say, why do I believe that? Why do I? I am a born again Christian. It's absolutely phenomenal to see the power of God work in the life of a human being. And the church needs to understand that because I'm going to tell you what. It's going to get bad one of these days. I don't care when it is. I don't care how it happens. But they're going to come to the church because we're not going to panic. Whether we're prepared or not, we're not going to panic because the peace and the power and the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit will fill us with the joy of God that he will take care of us. And they'll say, these people are not crazy. Please help us, and we're going to be, have to be able to lay hands on them and pray with them and teach them so that they could live in this transformation power of this Jesus Christ. Amen.